Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. This morning, we wrap up Financial Literacy Month with a focus on protection. How to be prepared for uncertainties that could wreck your retirement. Plus, a state attorney, Mike Munderland, is on the show to talk about wills and trusts and how to determine whether or not you need one. This is the Get Ready for the Future Show. Welcome in to another edition of the Get Ready for the Future Show all across the state of Arkansas. We are glad to have you with us. My name is Scott Inman. Settle in for the next hour. We've got a good show on tap for you, and it is time to introduce the other folks around the table today. As usual, to my right is John Shrewsbury, and as usual, to his right is Janet Walker. To my left is Chad Roller on with us, and a little bit later on, estate planning attorney Mike Munnerlin, as we just mentioned, will be joining us as well to talk about estate planning issues. So you'll want to be sure to stay tuned for that. Off the bat here, we want to let Janet share some uh, pretty big news in your family I'm, this week. I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah. So um, our son just turned 16 this week, and uh, the day before he turned 16, we got his ACT test results. And that boy got a 33. He oh, takes really? after his daddy. Uh, <laughs> that is, if you if you don't follow ACT scores and know what the big number is, that is a big number, and it means a lot when it comes to money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is definitely a financial commentary to say he got a 33 because it means he can go pretty much wherever he wants to and pay little or nothing to go. So mm-hmm. I was just going to jump in and make the financial connection here. Since yes. this is a financial show, yeah. that means that the Walker family doesn't have to fork over mountains of of money or get into debt in order to finance a good college education right Right. so we're pretty excited about that news we're we're praising the lord over here over that one (laughs) if he goes in state it's the governor's scholarship yeah that's ten thousand dollars a year and the reason i know that is my son is a senior about to graduate didn't get the 33 at 15 but right after his 18th birthday he got a 33 33 is good whenever you get it let me tell you that that is a financial burden lifted for sure it is Uh, i'm just glad my kids could spell act when they, there, so. <laughs> they took after their daddy too. That's right. <laughs> Mine took after their mom, I guess. Although neither one of us got anywhere north of thirty, that's well, for sure. Let me let me celebrate uh, another thing. Uh, this week will be the final week that my daughter has uh, UCA in her in her future as a fo- as opposed to her past. Yeah, uh, she is graduating uh, next week, and so I'm ecstatic about that. Speaking because, about saving money, yeah, because I've, I've been forking over tuition money uh, that uh, hasn't been all out of our pocket. She did have scholarship for a while, and and first one thing than the other, and and but the bottom line of it is is that that is a financial burden off of us yes. that that we don't have to have anymore. And so if you're out there and you've got little ones, you need to be thinking about some type of college education plan, Chad Roller. That's right. <laughs> Are you listening to this discussion here? Yeah, I've, I've got a few uh, few years down the road to, to delay that, but no, I, I definitely, no. I definitely know tomorrow. that I've got to get started today. Yeah. And, and also know that kind of, you know, what I've seen with you guys and, yeah. and your your kiddos and, and what they've done is, is it's been a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's it not it's been. not been something that they just showed up, uh, but you guys have really put a focus on that and and they've worked real hard. I, I'm, I've seen them, mm-hmm. even seen some of them at uh, after uh, after school hours up here at the office. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> they were not playing on their phones or just hanging out. Sometimes they like to hang out underneath people's desk and scare them. But I have seen a lot of. Uh, a lot of studying going on after school, so I know that I know that uh, number comes with a lot of hard work. That, there's a whole story there that's probably We're just not, skip that not fit for air today. <laughs> but, uh, okay, uh, Chad. Well, Chad has an experience with Bethany and and scaring, and now he looks under his desk every time he walks in the room. He does. So, well, anyway, t- today's not about hide and seek. It's not no. about uh, college savings plans. In fact, and today on the show, as we've been talking about all month long, April is Financial Literacy Month. We've spent the month talking about basic financial concepts 
tips, how to max out your retirement savings, the differences in employer plans, and fortifying your finances from fraudsters last week. If you missed any of those shows, as always, you can go back and find them on podcasts. Just look us up on iTunes or Stitcher and follow our podcast and you'll get all of the Get Ready for the Future shows. But today, we're talking about what I'll call the roof of the house. We, we if you listen to us much or if you've been to one of the Gen Wealth Academy workshops, we use the house analogy quite frequently in terms of building your retirement plan. There's the foundation, there's the room of the house, there is the attic space of the house. Today, guys, we're focusing on what I would say the shingles on top of the roof because this is the all-weather plan because you have to know the storm's coming. The storm could be coming in retirement and these are this show today is about the things to the steps to take to undo the uncertainties of that retirement. Well, you know, there are a lot of things that that people work very hard to do to get to retirement and what have you. And and it's almost like that they think that's the finish line. Yeah. But that's not the finish line. There are a lot of things when it comes to asset protection and when it comes to passing along those assets to your heirs that a lot of people just kind of want to just go, okay, you know what? I got to retirement. I'm tired. I'll talk about that later. And it's really uh, an issue that, that can bite them if we're not careful, Janet, because the the whole idea of estate planning and the whole idea of uh, effectively passing on your wealth to yeah. your heirs is something that is just very confusing to people, and they just don't want to really uh, take the time to delve into it. I'll go back and use a, a phrase from the classroom that was so popular for, for teachers for so many years, and that is monitor and adjust. You know, the, the job is not done when you get to retirement. You have to continue to pay attention to the changes that are going on and just monitor and adjust, and that goes with your insurance needs of all times throughout retirement. It goes with estate planning. Continue to monitor and adjust as you need to do that. Well, and I think the insurance word is is what we're dealing with here, but really what we're dealing with is risk. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's all, there's, it's just, when you get to retirement, the risks don't just go away. I mean, there are risks that we talk about, you know, the the workshop, the three big risks, but the, the insurance word that we use here is we're basically transferring the risk to an insurance company. And we do that in a lot of different ways each and every day before we get to retirement, but it those risks are still there in retirement. And we've got to make sure that the, the shingles, the roof on the house is there because we can build a very nice income plan. Mm-hmm. You can build a very nice house, but without a roof, mm-hmm. we know that it's not going to last very right. long. So a couple of questions to ask yourselves as you listen today. What happens to your family if you don't come home from work tomorrow? And and not just your family but in the immediate, but your family in the future in terms of uh, future retirement contributions that don't happen because you are uh, contributing to your retirement plan and building for your future. And then in retirement, as we get older, we know statistically, Chad, that about 70% of us will need some sort of long-term care. What happens if one of you or both of you in retirement have to uh, be on uh, a long-term plan or a, or a plan for long-term care. That's a big component to this as well. Absolutely. And that's what we were talking about with the with the roof. If that yeah. long-term care is in place, then we've got that protection over the income uh, structure that we built. That way we don't have an interruption. And if we've got a spouse that you know is still at home, there's still those home expenses, the electric bill doesn't change, right. the water doesn't, you know, the water, everything, all those expenses are still there. Plus you've added that facility cost of wherever that spouse may be. And let me also just uh, throw a plug in here because it is such a afterthought these days, I guess you'll say, about life insurance, especially among young families and and even uh, families that are midlife, if you will. A lot of times people think, "Ah, I've got that at work. It's not that big a deal. I don't want to fool with that. Life insurance is an incredibly critical part of your family's protection, especially if you've got kids at home, you've got a mortgage, you've got debt. Those things have to be taken care of if your income goes away and you need to think about how you can deal with that from a life insurance standpoint. Again, it's Financial Literacy Month on the show, so we're going to start with the basics when it comes to life insurance right after the break. Just a discussion of the difference between term and whole life insurance. We're back right after this. 
like what you hear? The Get Ready for the Future show is always just a click away. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website, GetReadyForTheFuture.com. We'll be right back. Life can be so busy, it's hard to even picture retirement. That's why you need somebody you can trust who will paint that picture and help turn dreams into reality. Plan, personalize, and protect your future with the team at GenWealth. Call 877-341-7355 to schedule an appointment. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. We are talking today in the Fastest Four about the Beige Book and more specifically the Beige Book Barometer. How's that for alliteration on today's uh, Fastest Four Minutes in Investing? We'll get to what that means in just a minute. But John, let's set the scene here. From the narrative perspective of where we are in the economy, in the first quarter, the narrative was basically we may be headed for a slowdown. The, the global slowdown is occurring. The U.S. economy may be starting to year-over-year growth uh, retreat just a little bit. But now this beige book comes out in mid-April, and we may say, hold the phone a minute. Yeah, it's, it follows the philosophy, that I think, that it's never as good or as bad as you think it yeah. is. And and first quarter was kind of ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was not uh, productive. There was about a, the, the largest drop in the beige book we've seen in about seven years happened during the first quarter. But now there's some green shoots popping up mm-hmm. in the economy, and we're seeing some pretty positive things. Let's the talk ba- about what the beige book is. So, yeah. so the beige book is the Fed's way of monitoring the economy at what I call the grassroots yeah. area. Uh, this is where they talk to bankers and business owners, and they talk to them about things like, you know, how are we doing for housing and the labor market and borrowing and all these economic factors. And the only way that the Fed really has to to measure this is to monitor what the positive words and the negative words are, or as they call them the strong words and the weak words. How so many, it's sentiment. Yes. Yeah. What is the sentiment of the economy? And the sentiment rebounded in, this, in, in the month of, of April, as opposed to what we saw in the first quarter, January, February, and March. So the Beige Book came in at 33. But if you take out what they call the oil districts, the Beige Book was actually at 36. And so when the Beige Book is at zero, that's not a good thing because the economy is sort of tepid at that particular point in time. So the the economy is, again, moving up in the right direction. What does this mean, Scott? This really does mean that the things that our team at LPL Research has told us about what's going to happen in the economy going forward, that they don't see any signs of recession, that type of thing, this bears that out. They are saying that, that you know, we think that the economy is rebounding off of the lows that we had in the first quarter. And because spring comes on, and everybody kind of has this, you know, feeling of refreshment as as the weather begins to clear and we don't have all the snowstorms and the cold weather and everything. Economic activity actually traditionally picks up in the spring. And that's what we're seeing here in this Beige Book report. Yeah. So that Beige Book is the Fed. LPL Research has created the Beige Book barometer. And that's the the uh, graph that we're looking at that creates those numbers, yes. the, the numbers that John are referring to. So it was down. And that's where that sentiment had been had been a near a seven-year low, but it has rebounded sharply based on the sentiment of we would call Main Street America. Absolutely. And so here's the bottom line. The U.S. economy and U.S. businesses are still struggling with a complicated economic backdrop. Uh, the clouds are breaking, though, and it looks like that uh, what we're seeing in the Beige Book is improving data. What does that mean for stocks? LPL Research is still holding to their target of 3,000 on the S&P 500. Of course, this past week, we hit an all-time high Mm -hmm. in the S&P 500. We do think that there is going to be some volatility between now and the end of the year. So I would just say, hold on to your hats, but stay with those uh, equities because we do think that the S&P 500 will finish somewhere in the 3,000 range uh, between now and the end of the year, but it could be a bit of a rock. Yeah, but sentiment overall suggesting that the bull market is not dead yet. 
That is a look at the fastest four minutes in investing. We thank you for watching on social media and listening on the Get Ready for the Future show. We'll have more of the radio program right after this. Your retirement should be more, more than just investments, more about you, and more Get Ready for the Future show. Stay tuned for more. This ain't your mama's financial advice. Turn it up, because we're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. Diving into a discussion on insurance in this segment on the Get Ready for the Future show. But before we do, we do want to take a moment to thank those of you who came out to our most recent Gen Wealth Academy workshop. The topic was three big risks. We're talking about risk today and how to handle risk. What are the three biggest risks to your retirement? The folks that came to the uh, workshop found that out earlier this week. Janet and uh, Troy uh, were the presenters in that workshop. And Janet, you said it was a very interactive crowd. It was. They, from the very beginning, from the introduction, they were asking questions and, and just joining in the conversation the entire evening. And, and John, uh, while you were sick, in your absence, I did your question that you like to ask at the end, you know, about whether or not everybody learned something and every hand in the in the room went up. They did learn something. So that means we, we can check the box on yep. having fulfilled our purpose for the evening. But we just want to thank everybody again for coming out. It was a very good evening, and, and we enjoyed doing it. Well, I'm glad you uh, fulfilled one of the Gen Wealth differences, which is we are education-driven. That's right. We, we really put these workshops on to help you understand the details, in this case, of the three big risks of retirement. There are three huge risks that you face when you get into retirement. If you miss the workshop and want to know what those are, Give us a call. We will sit down with you uh, with a Gen Wealth advisor and go over those with you and help you to apply how we actually address those risks to your retirement. They also fulfilled being team delivered because right. you weren't uh, you were under the weather a little yes, bit earlier this yes. week and, and someone else on the team had to step up. 501-653-7355, the number to call if you'd like to learn more about those three big risks. And if you'd like to learn about another opportunity to attend a Gen Wealth Academy workshop, we're actually taking a break for May and June. We know May is graduation season, uh, spring sports finishing out, and of course June begins vacation season. But we're setting up our next one for July 16th at 6.30. And this one is, we call them the satellite workshops. There's the big Little Rock workshops, and then we go uh, outside of Pulaski County for some as well. And uh, one of those one of those places we frequent is Mike's Place in Conway. One of the reasons, Chad, is the food's really darn good. But Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is we do have a lot of clients uh, in the Conway-Morrillton area, Faulkner County. So if you're listening in Faulkner County, make plans to join us on July 16th at 6.30. Social Security is the topic of that one. Stephanie Smith of our staff uh, will be with me on that one, uh, presenting Social Security. Uh, as you may have known, if you uh, have listened to this program before, Stephanie spent 27 years as an employee at the Social Security Administration, brings a wealth of knowledge uh, and and assists us on client planning as well from a Social Security perspective. And she, you talk about Q and A. You talk about yeah. bringing your questions to that. That's all we want that to be. We, right. we, we're not up there to hear ourselves talk. That is going to be about you getting your questions about Social Security answered. We can do that in the office as well. You don't have to wait till July sixteenth if you want to know more about that. You can call us. As well, let's dive in now in this segment to uh, insurance questions. We've got Chad on the program, and Chad is a, a veteran uh, of the uh, insurance industry. You know the ins and outs of both life insurance and long-term care insurance, and that's kind of the 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 gist of what we're going to be talking about in this segment. We mentioned it previously earlier in the show we were going to just kind of start with the basics, and Chad, let's start with the differences uh, the the differences between term and whole life insurance. I think that's a good place to start is just the fundamentals as to exactly what does it mean when you say term insurance versus whole life, permanent insurance, universal life. Because the insurance world, there are a lot of opinions. I was recently down in a class in Dallas and uh, we were, you know, talking about uh, some, some, uh, Basically, some investments, uh, licensing and, and most of the, uh, the attendees were, had a, had a long history of insurance. Mm -hmm. And most of the class was quiet most of the time while we were talking about, uh, investments and equities and, and, and rules and regulations about, uh, what we can and can't do as an investment advisor. And then we got to the insurance section. And then it got very vocal <laughs> because everybody had a opinion on 
whether or not something was the right or the wrong product. And even uh, so as to much as a gentleman behind me at one point uh, kind of uttered out, said, uh, yeah, let me know how that term insurance is going to do for you for that 80-year-old. And so there was shots fired all over the place. <laughs> when we were just talking about the basic fundamentals of the in the uh, life insurance world when it comes to different types of products. So it can be a very heated discussion when you start talking about what's right and wrong as far as what product to use and, and so on for and I will say that that this battle that goes on about this is really very much second place to a a religious battle. You know, yeah, when you think is. about how many wars have been fought over religion in this world, uh, I think secondly is the insurance industry and the battle between whole life and term insurance and and that type of thing. And I I think that that is something that that really does serve to confuse people. Let me just cut to the chase. If you want the real answer on what's best. The answer is, it all depends on you. Absolutely. And your situation. We're not going to tell you it's always term. We're not going to tell you it's always a cash value of some type. We're not going to do that. It completely depends on your situation. Now, we do, following that, we do have some general rules that, that we would like for you to think through. For example, if we're talking about a young family, where they've got a long time that they're going to need coverage in front of them, you know, many, many years in front of them. And also, frankly, they need a lot of coverage in place. Then that's probably a situation where term is going to be in your best interest. We very rarely see a need for something different in those situations. But let's say that you're retired. You've already made your choice on your pension. You've chosen a life only payout on your pension, which means if you go first, your spouse doesn't get anything. You may want to have some insurance in place to take care of that. And in that case, term insurance is not going to do the trick. You're going to need a permanent policy. So there are times and situations for each. So let's talk about that just a second, about the difference, the actual difference between term and whole life. So term insurance is set for a specific level premium for either 10, 15, 20, as much as 30 years. And basically what you're looking at there is a lower cost because the insurance company knows that they are uh, fixing that death benefit, that coverage for that specific term period that you purchase. And that can be basically uh, customized to whatever your age and need, uh, so on. And we actually, you get to lock in that premium for that level period. Now, what insurance, other insurance product do you get to, to purchase out there that you get to lock in a premium? You don't, health insurance goes up, auto Long insurance, home insurance, you know, so there are some time, you know, that is a, uh, a valuable, uh, product to be able to replace income. And that's what typically what we're using that term insurance is a lot of times is to replace that income. And then you've got your permanent and your whole life insurance. And basically what you're doing there is you're fixating that premium over your lifetime. And depending on the type of product that you use there, there may be a cash value feature to it or some other riders that you can add to uh, provide a later in life solution. So there are a lot of different products and, and different ways that uh, insurance companies price these products, position these products, they market these products. But what the studies show is that you have to educate yourself in order to get to the point where you are comfortable and you also have your needs met because the studies show only about 50% of Americans truly have the combination of being educated and understanding what they have. Before we run out of time, I want to go ahead and pivot to the long-term care uh, insurance discussion as well. When you talk about, as you mentioned already in the show, Chad, that things that can blow up a retirement income plan, it is a long-term care event for one or both of the spouses in retirement. And planning for that is a key component of what we do. And you have to go at it from this standpoint. Do you need the leverage of an insurance company, pay a premium for an insurance policy to put the risk onto the insurance company should you uh, undergo a long-term care need. Right, Scott. And so what we're looking at is there's at some point that 70% of us that are going to need some type of care, there's four things that are either going to happen. Number one, we're not going to have the assets to pay it uh, out of pocket. And so you're going to be looking at some type of Medicaid or some type of, of assistance program. 
And we all understand what that looks like. You know, you got to spend down those assets or go to the facility that basically they have prepared for you and in that Medicaid facility that accepts those types of, of uh, patients or and, and provides that care. The other end of the spectrum is the self-insure. And, and when you're looking at the cost, there's some great websites to go out there and, and take a look at, uh, the cost of care studies out there. And, and if you want to go out there and see specifically where you're at as far as in your region or your area, what the current cost of care is, and even look at the inflation rate mm-hmm. as to what it's potentially going to cost. Because if you're looking at maybe your age 60 or 65 right now, hopefully you have another 25, 30 years before you actually need that care. So go ahead and take advantage of some of those calculators to actually see what you what the potential cost. And we can do that here in the office for you as well to kind of give you a, a projection on that. But in the middle is where we look at transferring that risk of having that additive expense of long-term care. And in the middle, we look at insurance. And whenever you can basically pay a premium, just like we do with auto and home, we're paying a premium so that the insurance will pick up the remaining tab whenever we do need to go on claim. And when we're talking about long-term care, we're not necessarily talking about a nursing home facility. These insurance policies are set up in many cases to pay to possibly offer you income to pay someone to take care of you at home. Yes. And, and the insurance companies have evolved. They've, they've looked at the marketplace. They've had struggle, uh, with the traditional long-term care. When we're talking about back in the eighties, when they originally started, uh, late seventies, eighties, when they started to price these products, you know, times were a lot different. So they have evolved these different types of products. They've used, uh, what we call hybrid products. So they have a little bit better opportunity, the ability to fixate these premiums, like we talked about on a whole life plan or universal life plan, permanent insurance to be able to show, to provide a fixed premium over their, the client's lifetime so that they know the cost, that we don't have any, uh, unforeseen, you know, raise in rates or anything like that. So there are, but when it basically boils down to it, Scott, you're looking at, these policies are providing as long as benefits, as long as you can't meet two of the activities of daily living. And so to recap those real quick, that's bathing, transferring, continence, dressing, toileting, and eating. Now, the other side of that is and or severe cognitive impairment. So that's where we're getting into our Alzheimer's, uh, dementia type, uh, assisted living facilities. So these products can also uh, provide benefits just when it's not just a physical need, but when actually somebody needs that uh, hands-on, somebody right there with them on a day-to-day basis. Undoing the uncertainties, uh, and insurance is certainly a big part of that. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, our interview with estate planning attorney, Mike Munnerlin. The Get Ready for the Future show continues right after this. Monday, worry a mean, mean strife. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. Join us for one of our live events in your area. Go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com slash events for a calendar. More of the Get Ready for the Future show after this. From the studios of the Gen Wealth Radio Network, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Undoing uncertainties in your retirement income planning process. That's the topic of today's show in our final week of National Financial Literacy Month. All month long, we've been talking about the basics uh, of financial concepts. And today, we're going to spend a little time talking with the state planning attorney, Mike Munnerlin, who's been on the broadcast with us uh, many times before. And welcome in, sir, once again. Thank you, Scott. Good to have you with us. We're going to talk basic concepts and kind of get into helping people determine their need for estate planning. And, and and I think jumping right in here, when we talk about just what estate planning is, let's start as basic basic of a level as we can, because people hear that term, Mike, a lot. But let's just start talking about what it is that, that the, the field that you operate in. What exactly is estate planning from a broad aspect? Yes, good question. Estate planning is essentially... When someone gets all their affairs in order where they're planning for what happens, one, if they become incapacitated prior to death, and two, obviously what happens when I pass away as far as how my property will be transferred, 
who I want to leave in charge of my estate to make sure all my bills get paid, my expenses get handled, and then the manner in which we dispose of our property after we pass away, whether it's an outright bequest or whether we're going to leave it in trust. So, so Go ahead, John. I, well, I was just going to say that I know a lot of people have a bit of a cavalier attitude these days about this subject. They, they think, what do I care after I'm gone? That's the first thing that you hear. And then secondly, they don't really appreciate the impact that that has on their heirs because they did not provide for a pathway, if you will, for the proper uh, transfer of their estate and the handling of their affairs. Yes, very, very good uh, point there. You know, there's really two philosophies that we run into typically is you have some clients that are of the motto or mindset that, you know, I'm dead and gone. I'll just leave it outright. Whatever happens, happens. But more and more of our clients are coming to the philosophy where they want to protect the, the kids and the next generation so that they leave mechanisms, trust, for instance, in place so that it protects the, the beneficiaries, whether there's lawsuits, uh, divorces, what have you. Mike, one of the most common things that, that we hear from people as far as their beliefs about estate planning is that it's really only for the wealthy or for really complex situations. And we believe that's really a misperception. But would you help clear that up for our listeners? Sure. Yeah. And that, that is a very common misconception in that the only people that need to do estate planning are the super wealthy. And that is totally incorrect. Everyone needs some form of estate planning. Now, the level and extent obviously varies depending upon your age and your wealth and the amount of property you have. But, I mean, we're all going to pass away, correct? Right. So everybody needs to have a plan so that, you know, the assets pass to whom they want to pass them to. But the other, you know, often overlooked area is, you know, when you do estate planning, you're not just planning for when I die. It's, you know, what if I become incapacitated before I die? Doctors are keeping us alive longer nowadays than, 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 you know, before. So we need to plan for both incapacity and death. And regardless of the amount of assets you have, you still need to have a plan so that those assets do in fact get to who you want them to, to pass to at death. Let me, let me just throw a commentary in here for just a second. Janet and I have practiced together at GenWealth for almost 15 years now. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we have really more than a, a couple of months go by that we don't run into the, the, the fruits of the problem that we're talking about. Oh, yeah. That people did not properly plan for the passing of assets to their kids. Maybe they didn't plan for, you know, an incapacity or whatever the case may be. Now that person's incapacitated. The family can't get to their assets because they didn't have all the proper powers of attorney and things of that nature in place. This is not some problem that's out there that's just going to affect it's, a few people. Yeah, it, it, it is not by any means a rare occurrence. And so that's why we strongly encourage people to meet with a tax and estate planning attorney, frankly, in their younger years. You know, if, if you're older and you haven't done it yet, okay, fine, start now. But it's really, there are a lot of reasons to do it earlier on as well. But let's talk a little bit about, uh, Mike, another uh, Another conversation that we regularly have when we will ask people, hey, do you have your estate planning done? The most common response that we get is, yes, I have a will. And that's it. End of conversation. They think it's all done. So would you talk a little bit about the difference between a will and a trust? Yes, absolutely. A will is a legal document that you sign that essentially just says, what you want to have happen when you die, as far as how your bills will get paid, who will be in charge of your state, who you nominate as your personal representative, and then who the beneficiaries are after all the uh, claims and estate expenses have been paid. Uh, but but a will before, you know, a will's not on autopilot. When someone dies and they have a will, you have to then present the will. You have to get an attorney to petition the court to ask the judge to look it over and make sure that all the, you know, statutory formalities have been met. And then the judge will sign an order admitting the will and appointing whoever you've nominated. That just starts the process. So then you, you're in the probate process, which in Arkansas is going to be six plus months. So in the meantime, everything is sort of tied up in court. It's a public proceeding. There's expenses involved. You have to essentially petition the court for any activity with respect to the assets. And the other thing is, you know, a will only governs and covers those assets that are in the deceased party, the decedent, as we call it his or her individual name. It doesn't cover assets that were jointly owned or that had beneficiary designations. A trust, meanwhile, 
is a uh, document one typically creates while they're alive. And therefore, a lot of folks refer to a trust as a living trust because it is an instrument you create as the grantor and trustee and beneficiary while you're alive. Typically, the reason people create trusts are uh, usually to stay out of probate, to avoid those uh, four or five disadvantages that, that run hand in hand with the probate process. So so let me jump in here for just a minute. I want to I want to be sure everybody caught that. You said with a will, if that's all they have, they're going to have to go through probate in the state of Arkansas, right? That's correct. Okay, and it's a minimum of six months, could be longer than that. But if they have a living trust in place and they've done that properly, then they can bypass probate. That is correct. If you have a living trust and it is fully and properly funded, meaning that all the assets are tied to the trust, then you will avoid that probate process. So what you mean by all the assets being tied to the trust, this is something else that we see all too frequently as well. People will come in periodically with their big three-ring binder that has all their trust documents. But as you know, many attorneys actually give their clients homework, if, if we can call it that, to say you need to finish doing these things at the courthouse and all these other things that we need to that they need to do. Mike, that's something you actually do for clients to make sure that all of those things get funded. But what that means is if you didn't change the ownership of the house to be owned by the trust, then it doesn't matter that you did the trust. The house isn't owned by the trust. And so it's very important to pay attention to those details. When you talk, uh, Mike, about some of the common misconceptions, we've already talked about some people think trusts are only for the super wealthy or people who are going to be subject maybe to the estate tax. But another misconception I think is is I, I, if I'm dealing with people my age and in their 40s, they may think that a trust is really more for people who are closer to the end of life. What are some of the considerations some people who still have minor children in the home should consider uh, when thinking about whether they need a trust or not? Yes, Scott. Very good question. Uh, Trusts are very useful for parents of younger or minor children uh, because it gives you an opportunity to leave those assets in trust for the minor or younger beneficiaries so that they can receive it maybe in piecemeal at more responsible ages, such as, say, 25, 30, or 35. Uh, You don't want to leave anything outright to an 18-year-old or someone under 18. If you leave it to someone under 18, it's going to necessitate a guardianship. Uh, so the trusts allow you to basically uh, keep it in trust for the kid, children so that they can receive it you know, at, at designated intervals when they reach certain ages. I want to back up to uh, the conversation you and Janet were having because I, one of the misperceptions that I run into very often is people will say, well, I have a will or I have a trust And we will discuss the effect of a beneficiary designation because they don't understand that a beneficiary designation on an IRA or an insurance policy actually outweighs what is written down on a will or a trust. And so you've got to have that harmonization of the of the trust with the beneficiary designations on your assets. Absolutely. That's very, very important. And in fact, uh, yesterday I had a client come in that his trust left a half million dollars to his wife, but then he had a uh, life insurance policy that left an additional half million dollars to his wife. And what he didn't really understand is that the result of that is his wife's going to get a million dollars, not just the 500000 mm-hmm. because he's getting five hundred. She, she would get 500000 out through the trust, and then she's getting 500000 directly by virtue of the beneficiary designation on the insurance policy. So they, they work in harmony. So you have to to look at the big picture and, and, and look at how the beneficiary designations are set up as well as the beneficial provisions of the trust itself. Mike, one of the things that uh, that we ran into in dealing with uh, my mother-in-law uh, right before she passed away and then after she passed away was, was power of attorney. It came in very helpful, but one of the things that I also found uh, almost even funny, uh, I can find humor in strange things, but uh, after she passed away and we would go to do things like uh, shutting off the utilities and that type of thing, they would actually ask for a power of attorney. Now, you and I both know power of attorney has no power after the person who has granted it has passed away. But a lot of people don't understand that. So walk through what is a power of attorney built to do? Uh, what what different types of power of attorney uh, are there? Yeah, good, good question. The a power of attorney is a legal document where someone appoints another individual or multiple individuals for that matter 
to be in charge of their financial affairs. And a, a power of attorney prevents you from having to go the guardianship route. If you don't have, if you haven't planned for incapacity and you don't have a power of attorney, if you become incapacitated, then everything's pretty much frozen until we petition the court and get someone appointed as your legal guardian. So to prevent that, while you're competent, you sign a power of attorney. And there's two, two types. It can either be an immediate power of attorney, which is effective the moment you sign it, or more commonly, people prefer to sign what we call a springing power of attorney, which does not become applicable or effective unless and until you actually become incapacitated. And the reason more people go that route is because they want to retain control in the interim. Right. They don't want to give anybody authority or power over their financial affairs unless and until they can't make those decisions and, and, and handle those matters themselves. We are talking with estate planning attorney Mike Munnerlin on today's Get Ready for the Future show, and we are up against a commercial break here, Mike, so we ask if you could stay with us for a little bit longer. We're going to take a break and, and come back with more uh, with Mike to talk about estate planning considerations, the topic of today's show, uh, this portion of the show, as we talk about undoing the uncertainties of your retirement, setting up some uh, some ways to protect, especially when it comes to estate planning as we finish April as National Financial Literacy Month. We're back on the show after this. Stay in touch with the Get Ready for the Future show during the week. Search Facebook for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors or follow us on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. More straight talk about money after this break. More straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money coming at you. We're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. At GenWealth, we are education-driven, and we are always offering GenWealth Academy workshops free to the public to attend. I want to tell you about the the one that's coming up in the near future. It's actually still a couple of months away now. July 16th, our Social Security workshop happening at Mike's Place in Conway. So if you're listening in the Faulkner County area this morning, you might want to jump on our website, getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash events. You'll find a link there to be able to sign up for free if you have some Social Security questions you'd like answered. Join us for that Gen Wealth Academy workshop on July 16th at 6.30 at Mike's Place in Conway. Continuing our discussion this morning, though, on the Get Ready for the Future show with estate planning attorney Mike Munnerlin, we're talking about some things to consider uh, whether you need a trust or what type of estate planning you need to go through. And I want to talk a little bit, Mike, about weighing the cost. Obviously, there's going to be a cost to creating a trust, but there's also a cost to not creating a trust, and that's going through probate. Help our listeners kind of weigh that cost of what what is the average cost if if an estate has to go through probate versus the cost of creating a trust. Yes. If you have to go through probate, we as attorneys charge two or three ways to handle probate. The most common way that we charge is the statutory percentage, which is somewhere around two and a half to three and a half percent. It's a regressive scale that's set by the legislator by statute. Uh, the other way is if someone does it on a flat fee, which is very uncommon. The third way that we as lawyers charge to handle probate is, is on an hourly arrangement. Uh, so it can be very, very expensive if, if let's just say 3% of your estate and some of the attorney is charging the statutory percentage. If you have a $500,000 estate, you know, $15,000. So it can be very expensive. The cost of setting up a living trust, uh, which typically will also include a pour over will, a financial power of attorney, a healthcare power of attorney can range anywhere from $1,500 to $3,500. So uh, it, it is quite a bit less expensive for the family as a whole to go the trust route, uh, looking at it from a long-term perspective. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell a story here on a cost comparison. There was a, a couple years and years ago that I, I knew them personally, not just as as clients, but I knew them personally as well. And sometimes when people have known you a long time personally, they have a little bit of a tougher time listening to your counsel, you know. And so it took a long time of me, frankly, just just nagging them about, listen, you've got to take care of your estate planning. And finally, they did it. And and the gentleman literally was 
was on his deathbed at the time that everything was handled. But the end result of that from some things that, that Mike did in their process, it wound up later on when, when she made a sale of some land that had been in the family for a long period of time, it saved them about $45,000 in taxes just because of the way that Mike handled everything when he set it up for them in the first place. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, compliance will make us say this, you know, it's not a guarantee that everybody's going to save $45,000, but we have seen time and time again that on the back end, there is either less cost or tremendous savings compared to, you know, the the smaller cost on the front end to just get it taken care of, not to mention just being able to check the box to know that it's done. So it makes a difference. I want to talk a little bit about the most common mistakes, Mike, that you see people make. Uh, obviously, not doing estate planning has got to be the most common one because so many people stick their head in the sand about this. But those who think they've got it right, what common mistakes do they do they often make? Sure. Yeah. Inaction, of course, is the most common mistake. But the other mistake is is not uh, regularly reviewing or updating your estate plan, not having either any or any beneficiary designations on retirement accounts, life insurance policies, um, not uh, reviewing those periodically. Uh, frequently, we'll have uh, clients that come in, not, not, not folks that we visit with regularly, otherwise we would have prevented this, but it's very common for, for people to pass away and, and either not have a beneficiary designation or either not have a primary, not, not have a contingent, or the person they've named is either deceased or incapacitated. Maybe they're in a nursing home drawing Medicaid or SSI. They don't need to be receiving the, the, the benefits. Or maybe it's somebody that the, the person just wasn't that close to any longer. Or, or I, I love this one when you see this one uh, come in on beneficiary designations uh, being beneficiarized to their estate. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know, that that's something that is almost like this, oh, well, I'm going to just leave it to my estate and that'll all work out. It's this knee-jerk reaction that really gets people into trouble. It does. It forces it into probate for one, which subjects it to creditor claims. And especially if it's qualified money, IRA type money, yes, you never ever want it to be payable to your estate because it, it forces it to be the money to be withdrawn over no more than five years and you have to pay income tax. So you lose the ability to stretch to de- defer those those funds. One of the shortfalls that we frequently see is with bank accounts that they they don't know that it's not a beneficiarizable asset. They don't know to make it payable on death to somebody or to have it owned by the trust, whatever the situation might be. So many times we'll see something like that that has to go through probate if they've not addressed it. And and sometimes it's a significant asset. You know, there are a lot of people who have six figures in a bank account somewhere, but some Sometimes it's a small asset and then it's like, well, is it, is it worth it to pursue it? But it's still out there and you, and you want to get it all finalized. It's so simple to take care of that ahead of time. Let me just do a jonatorial here for just a, a second. Jonatorial. Yes. We're going to make a note. It doesn't sound very clean. New, new, <laughs> probably right. And here, here's my commentary about this. I know estate planning is tough. I know that it's confusing. I know that it's something that you'd rather not do. It's emotional. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your family to really step into this with the help of a professional. You don't have to be the expert in this. You have to talk to an expert and you need that expertise to make sure that all the stuff that you've built up over your lifetime, all the things that you've done in terms of accumulation and what have you, that all of that is properly handled at your death. Don't just be, uh, you know, intimidated by the complexities of this. I know if you listen to this show, there's a lot of complexity in what we're talking about. There's wills and trust and estates and beneficiaries and, and all of this and, and probate court. You know, all of that is very intimidating, but it's very easy if you get the help of a professional to sit down and step through this in a very logical way. Well, Mike, we want to thank you again for being with us as we wrap up the interview. But I do want to take a, a moment to let people uh, know how to find you. Obviously, we we use uh, we send clients your way a lot when they come through our offices, and that is part of our review process and and our appointment process is to look at estate planning issues. Uh, but if they want to reach out to you directly, tell me about your website, phone number, and those type of things. Sure, Scott. Yes, our website is mikemunlaw.com. That's M-I-K-E-M-U-N-N-L-A-W.com. 
Our offices are located in the Heights area of Little Rock, 1405 North Pierce, Suite 204, Little Rock, Arkansas. And our phone number is 501-663-5620. All right, Mike, thanks again for being with us, as always. And uh, we, we thank you for being with us on the Get Ready for the Future show. Thank you. So going back to what something Chad said earlier in the show today is we build retirement income plans for our clients each and every day here at GenWealth. But if we build a really nice retirement income plan and the unexpected happens, you have to include that in the plan or otherwise it could wreck that plan. And, and I think estate planning is one of those things to consider as the roof of the house. As we go back to that house analogy, building the foundation, the flooring of your home in retirement, the living space of your home, the attic space of the home, this is the roof, the protection on the house. And it includes things, John, like the insurance considerations and estate plan. It does. And if you think about all of the, the storms and the rain that yeah. we've had here in Arkansas, you know how your roof protected you in most cases, I mm-hmm. would say, you know, mm-hmm. unless you've got a leaky roof. But you don't want to have a leaky roof when it comes to your finances. And the leak could be how those finances are handled to your spouse, yeah. how they're handled to your kids, how they're handled to your charities that you want to, them to go to. This is the one area that I think that that other than poor planning for retirement, this could have the biggest impact, negative impact on people if you don't get this right, Janet. And and I'm just passionate about the fact that that I've seen this with, with yeah. our own eyes. We've seen this with our time own and time eyes again. over and over again that people just screw this up because they were trying to save a few dollars on the front end, but it cost them big dollars on the back end. Or they were just delaying it. And, I, you know, you talk about the, the roofs and, and how quickly things can change. I, I remember a, a storm just uh, two or three years back where everything was fine and then it wasn't. And it was like there was this one street that's not very far from us that just about everybody had blue tarps on the roof and they were trying to protect from that rain and you think about how quickly things like that change your life can change in a heartbeat you are you know one accident one fatality one incapacitating health event away from a tremendously different situation than what you're living in now and I would just encourage you to take the time to be ready for those types of things because, as my pastor says, you know, unless Jesus comes back first, ain't none of us getting out of here alive, you know? There you go. So you just got to be ready for it. So let's talk about this insurance piece for just a second. Here at GenWealth, we have the expertise that we can help you step through this. We're not estate planning attorneys. We're going to refer you to an estate planning attorney, or we're going to encourage you to refer yourself to an estate planning attorney so you can get that part of it taken care of. But we are licensed insurance advisors, and so we can help you to understand the complexities of insurance and being sure that the income that you have is protected or that the assets that you have are protected when it comes to some type of long-term care event, because those are all things that we try to help people to understand the mechanics of before it's a problem. goes back to one of our core beliefs. Your retirement should be more than just investments, insurance considerations, estate planning considerations. All those things should be a part of your retirement. If you'd like to sit down with a GenWealth Financial Advisor, that first appointment is complimentary. 501-653-7355 is the number to reach out and set up an appointment. We have offices in West Little Rock, Hot Springs, Bryant, and El Dorado, as well as Northwest Louisiana. You can do that now, 501-653-7355, or you can just email us, info at getreadyforthefuture.com. That's all the time we have for this week's show. We thank you for listening. Another Get Ready for the Future show comes your way next Saturday morning. The GenWealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of GenWealth Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIP. 